Welcome to Talking Energy, the UK Energy Research Centre podcast. Hello and welcome to Talking Energy, UKIRK's podcast, in which we explore a range of topics and issues facing the energy system. So my name's Amber Sawyer and I'm the Engagement Officer for the UK Energy Research Centre, or UKIRK as it's known for short. And today I'm joined by Fran Long and Sarah Higginson to discuss equality, diversity and inclusion, or EDI, in energy research. And we'll be exploring the benefits of having a diverse research community as well as the challenges it presents. So Fran is Education and Training Lead at the Faraday Institution and Sarah is the Knowledge Exchange Manager for Research at the Centre for Research into Energy Demand Solutions or CREDS. So let's jump straight in. Uh, So first of all, I was just wondering if you could both tell our audience a bit more about yourselves and how you became involved with EDI related work. So Sarah, if you'd like to start. Sure. Um, hello, everybody. Um, lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I guess I got interested in EDI uh, because I was, uh, I was brought up in South Africa. And um, of course, uh, South Africa is well known for apartheid, but also perhaps uh, less obviously, I was really inspired by the changes that have been possible in South Africa since apartheid ended. Um, and before I worked in academia, I worked in NGOs, um, working in disadvantaged areas, focusing on democracy and community development, um, and ran a small family charity based on empowering mostly w- um, Muslim women in some of the most conflicted areas on the planet. Um, but I found it difficult to work on these issues in academia because there didn't seem to be any space and these issues really weren't discussed at all um, until I joined CREDS. Um, we have a really well-resourced team working on things like knowledge exchange, which has a lot to do with power and equity issues. Um, and so we had a little bit more space to work as, to focus on things like EDI. And our director, Professor Nick Eyre, was really committed to EDI, and I joined the voluntary EDI group that was set up. Um, once I was in that group, I got really inspired and, and decided to take action, and I was given a free reign to do that, which was great. Um, and our efforts, even though they're quite small, have been recognised by people outside creds like other consortia and by our funders who are really pleased with what we're doing. Um, in our midterm review, they actually asked us to become a beacon of EDI, which is a little bit ambitious, perhaps, but uh, quite inspiring. That's great. Thank you, Sarah. And Fran, if you'd like to tell us about yourself. Thank you. Um, so my role at the Faraday Institution is about creating a dynamic and diverse pool of talent for the field of battery technology and energy storage. And part of that entails building and running successful education training programmes that widen participation and diversify the pool of talent. And that includes a bespoke PhD training programme, undergraduate internship programmes. And I'm also part of the Faraday Institution EDI Working Group, where we've heavily been involved in leading on EDI initiatives as well as an EDI charter. Um, So in your experience, what kinds of diversity are missing from the energy research space and why do you think that is? So Fran, would you like to come in first on that? We know that diversity brings the best science results and that means diversity in all its forms. So we want to have people from different backgrounds, with different specialties, a range of universities, career stage. And when the Faraday Institution EDI work began, we started by looking at the data. And what we discovered was that 30% of the Faraday community were women. But as we went further up the career stage, this dropped. So we looked at how to implement positive action initiatives. And we launched an Empower Women programme led by experts, Skills4. This involved having a cohort of 15 women who embarked on a six-month training programme that also included one-to-one coaching. And and as a result of that action, 100% of the women in the cohort increased in confidence, 44 took on more responsibility and 33% have taken on a new role or been promoted. 
And following this, we've gone on to other initiatives, such as the Thrive Positive Action Career Development Programme for Black, Asian and Ethnic Minority Individuals. So I think it's fair to say there are gaps in energy research space in terms of diversity, and it's about looking for creative ways to put in place positive actions that are going to help to change and move the dial. Great, thank you. Sarah, what what are your thoughts on this? What kind of diversity do you see missing from the space? So I think on the one hand, of course, um, our diverse, our, our community is not diverse, especially amongst engineering and technical sides of our research. Um, men, mostly white men, dominate significantly. Uh, we exist in a hierarchical space where bullying and even harassment are not unusual. Contracts are short term and insecure and stress is very common. And this deter- deters many early career researchers who are a more diverse group, as Fran has said, from continuing in academia. And so the cycle continues. However, even amongst these mostly white men who are in our community, there are forms of diversity that are hidden. So neurodiversity, for example, is mostly an invisible and unspoken because it still carries a stigma, but is definitely present. And I'm sure that heterosexuality is not as ubiquitous as it might, as might be assumed. Um, it's also important to note that EDI issues are intersectional, and so separating one from the other, while sometimes helpful, can blind us to the fact that most people experience a range of the sorts of issues we're concerned about in this space. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And as you say, intersectionality is really important because, they're, as the word suggests, diversity is an extremely broad term that can be imp- applied in a lot of contexts. So, Sarah, just building on that, what have you done at CREDS or what has CREDS done to kind of overcome these these issues that you're talking about and what has worked well and what kind of challenges have there been? So right at the start of um, CREDS, we developed an EDI plan against which we monitor and report. As I mentioned, we have an EDI um, voluntary group are fairly active. We include EDI on our website, um, in all of our whole centre meetings and in our reporting to UKRI, which is um, our funder. And it was one of our case studies for the midterm review. Um, as I said, the funder was very happy to see it there. Um, as part of our plan, we are very committed to early career researchers, and we gave away a million pounds from um, our flexible fund to fund early career researchers. Uh, we did a comprehensive evaluation of this uh, of this initiative, and have invested a lot of effort in giving feedback to around fifty early career researchers who were not successful in funding, which is unusual. Um, We've also hired an EDI manager recently, and so I hope to increase our capacity and professionalise our work in this area. Um, Although she's only part-time, this is a signal that EDI work should be paid for, um, as it's often done voluntarily and in people's spare time. Um, In response to Black Lives Matter, we devised a racial justice initiative, which involves inviting racial justice stakeholders to a workshop to help us understand the intersections between racial justice and energy demand research. Um, This workshop Um, helped us to put together a job description and we advertised a full-time one-year researcher post to help us scope this new research area and we will advocate for funding and this post is just finished and um, we've got a good number of applicants so I'm really excited about that. Um, And then we're also about to launch our EDI Spotlight series um, which will correspond with Anti-Bullying and Harassment Week um, in the week commencing the 15th of November. Um, initiatives here will include a webinar on, in, on inclusive leadership and another on personal stories of diversity called Fitting In and Standing Out. We will also invite members of the community to contribute their own stories of bullying and harassment um, uh, via our website. That's great. Thank you. It sounds like you've been very active in a lot of areas there. Um, Fran, you've already touched on the kind of positive action programmes that Faraday is um, 
is undertaking and has undertaken. Do you have anything you want to add? Um, any what are the what are the biggest challenges you've faced in this? That's a really good question. There are many <laughs> multiple challenges, and we've made a start. We've still got a lot of work to do. But one of the things that we've looked at carefully is if we want to diversify the pool of talent coming into this sector, it requires action at many transition points. That encompasses attraction and advertising of opportunities. So looking at things like gender neutral language and adverts, images that show a diverse community and making sure that we advertise really widely. So we work with lots of partner organisations who are working with people currently underrepresented in this space to ensure that opportunities are available to all and that we get a really good pool of applicants to our positions. When we're recruiting, we work with supervisors and recruiters really carefully to make sure that they have diverse selection and interview panels. And it is, research shows that typically people recruit in their own image. So by having a diverse panel, it encourages um, the recruitment of diverse talent. So we're recruiting the best people, but from a wider pool is having an impact, a positive impact on the people that we're bringing into our community and then when, once people are in that community, we want to ensure that their career development opportunities exist, that they have progression opportunities, that they have training. So our early career researchers have a training budget and many events that they can take part in as we really care about skilling them up for the future, whether they stay in academia, go into industry roles or go into policy making or associated career paths. We also want to create a really inclusive community so that people feel welcome, that they want to stay, that they feel it's a place that their voice can be heard and that they can really contribute. And that makes people stay within an organisation. So an example of the way that implementing all of these measures has led to positive change is through our PhD programme. When we started in 2018, we had 15% females in that cohort. And in 2020, that went up to 50%. And that was through making some of these changes, which are actually relatively simple to put in place. Of our 50 undergraduate summer interns this summer, 44% were female. So we're delighted by that. So that's much higher than the number of females in our community. And what we're finding is that by having these good attraction programmes, then people are continuing on their pathways with us. So we've got interns who have gone on to do PhDs in the Faraday Institution, Faraday Institution researchers, uh, finally, um, the PhDs are in their final year and we're hoping that people will transition then into our community. But this change does take time. You're not going to move the needle and see the data change immediately. So it takes a consistent effort through lots of different measures. And what's really important for us is that we have an EDI charter and that's important, but we want to make sure that it's lived and breathed, that it's not just words on a page and looking about how this is owned by all the community. So one of the other things that we've done is to start a process of having inclusion ally training for our community, particularly at senior level and decision making level. And that's something that we're going to be continuing to roll out. We also are constantly reviewing our EDI policies and we're not experts in the field. So we are drawing on expertise from consultants and other people to make sure that they can help us in this journey of reviewing what we're doing, why we're doing it and, and making it the best that it can be. And we've also done various things like through our Faraday Masterclass series, we are incorporating sessions about EDI to make sure that it's something that's covered with the whole community. And well-being is another area of EDI that's a real key one as we come out of the pandemic. So we've done a whole series working with a men's mental health expert looking at well-being 
and and some of this is also touched on psychological safety as well there's lots of things that can be done and one some of this has been demonstrated and written up in a case study for wise that we can share in the footnotes of this podcast if people would like to listen and take a further look that's great. I'm sure lots of people will be interested. And you've both touched on so many things there that, you're, that you've already done and are continuing to do. Um, and also, I thought it was really interesting that you mentioned well-being, because I think that is often an area that's overlooked, um, particularly in a culture where there's you know long hours and people are always present at, at their desk and working hard. And I think and also working in the climate space can be quite depressing sometimes. And I think there can be a lot of burnout. So I think it's really important that you've touched on that. Um, so I just wanted to ask both of you, where do you think we need to go from here? What further work needs to be done? And you can either answer that from the perspective of your own institutions or, or of the space more broadly. Um, so Fran, do you want to start with that? It's a good question. Where do we want to go? I think research culture is changing and I think roles in this space are changing rapidly. So there's a lot of work to be done, um, but there's a lot of positive things that we can do. I would say data is the key to understanding the community and monitoring progress. We've been doing this at the Faraday Institution annually as part of our conference registration process. Typically, when you send out EDI surveys, the response rate could be really low and actually not necessarily giving you, therefore, representative data about your community. So we've attached that to something that's already happening where we know that large numbers of people will be registering for our annual conference, which means that we get good data to work from. Because it is important to monitor any EDI work that we're doing, even if that change is slow. So each year with Faraday, we've had a focus on a different EDI area. We can't tackle everything in one go. We're a small team who are very ambitious in this, but we do need to um, break off key objectives. So I think what needs to happen next for us as an organisation is um, one of the areas that we're going to be looking at in the year ahead is accessibility. And we'll be working with uh, experts in the field in order to do that. But we will also see what else is coming through from our community, what they care about and things that we can um, do as the next steps. That's great. Thanks, Fran. And Sarah, what would you what would you say to that point? Um, Well, in terms of what happens next, I mean, I guess um, there are a couple of exciting things happening in our research area. We're very excited to see the EDI and energy research call from um, EPSRC. Um, and we welcome the requirement from UKRI to have an EDI plan when applying for funding, although um, perhaps they could consider putting a little bit more resource um, in terms of money and time into this area. Um, We're also happy, as you know, because we've spoken to you about this, to be starting to coordinate with other consortia on these issues. Um, So there's no need to reinvent the wheel, and when people are doing great things, like Fran's been talking about, um, we would advocate uh, the sharing of best practice um, having said that, we need to get be careful not to get stuck in sort of tokenistic processes that don't produce real change because, you know, it's all very well, as Fran said earlier, to have a plan, but um, really we need to be actively implementing these things. And so I guess uh, the point that I'd like to make, I men- mentioned this earlier, that um, these issues are intersectional. Um, and whilst it's useful to pull out protected characteristics and work on them specifically, I think I'd like to make the point that um, these issues are really systemic. And so we're starting to use a kind of layered approach to look at them, um, looking across the system. So rather than looking at specific characteristics, looking at um, the things in the system that can that need to be changed. And I mean, I'll just uh, mention the layers very briefly. There are three. So the first one is people. So that's basically who's doing the work, um, who is... Um, 
getting the funding, managing the funding, who's uh, doing the research, who's publishing things, uh, who's teaching, what are they teaching, um, who's running the professional services, who's sitting on pa panels, um, how are people progressing in their careers, um, and so forth. Um, the second layer is, is the topics that we work on. So what are we working on? What's the research content, uh, the focus? As Fran said, what data is being collected? Uh, what data is being reported or not reported? What's being delivered in the classroom? And the third layer is around processes. So how are things being done? Um, and this is about the lived experience of EDI um, on a day-to-day -day basis. So how do we experience the research environment? How does our work impact on the wider world? Um, what kind of policies do we have in place, for example, on bullying and harassment? Um, how is assessment done? Um, you know, is flexible working um, being being used? How who do we deal with um, in terms of stakeholders? How do we advocate for real world, world change in policy, businesses, and the public? So I think um, taking this layered approach really helps us to think of things in a systemic way, um, because ultimately it is the systems that um, are a problem here. So I think my final question that I'd like to ask you is, obviously you've both spoken about so many things today and it's been really insightful, so thank you. But to somebody who's really new to this topic, that might be quite overwhelming because I think this conversation has really revealed the breadth of work that needs to be done in this space. So do either of you have any advice, um, any specific advice points for people working in the energy research sector who are looking to improve EDI within their own institutions? You know, So kind of the first steps they should take if they're just starting out. Uh, either of you feel free to jump in on this. Yeah, I think everybody could be an inclusion ally. And I think that's the really key message that just a few people aren't going to make this change. This is about everybody getting on board in a real um, authentic way. So I'd say stand up and be an inclusion ally. Stand up for what's right. Don't be afraid to challenge bad behaviour because that can make a real difference. If you step in when you see something that you think is inappropriate, you, you can make a real difference and you can champion best practice. And I'd also say by implementing steps such as diverse selection and recruitment panels, which is a relatively simple step to take, you can really make a difference. As well as when you're organising events and conferences, thinking about having diverse speaker lineups, bringing in new voices as much as who's on there. I, I'm really passionate about making sure that we're not just having the same people all the time, that we're ensuring that everybody has a voice and is included. So I would say any anybody working within the energy research sector has a part to play and can take simple steps tomorrow that would make a difference. And together, I think we can make lasting change that's going to have real impact. So I guess um, I would say if you have resources, um, then I would recommend putting together a plan <clears throat> and then putting together an implementation strategy and monitoring your progress, much as we've spoken about here today. Um, but as Fran said, even if you don't have resources, there are lots of things you can do. So as she mentioned, you can think about your activities, um, who speaks, how your panel's made up, where do you run your events, how do you manage your funding, um, do, you have a, you know, do you have a communications plan and, and who, who gets to communicate. Just thinking about who's being seen, what organisations you're engaging with, um, what does your work focus on and what data do you collect? Um, I mean, there are some really great resources out there. Um, Faraday Institute has a whole lot, um, but uh, you might also want to look at the Wellcome Trust. Um, EDIS is, is a very good resource as well. Um, and we'd be very happy for people to get in touch with us, um, you know, if, if they'd like to have a chat or, or just informally talk about these issues, um, please do feel free to, to email me. 
That's great. Thank you so much. That was a really nice, positive and practical note to end on. Um, So thank you once again to our guests, Fran and Sarah. We really appreciate your time today. And as I've already said, it was a really insightful conversation. And thanks very much to those of you at home for listening. Thanks for listening. To find out more about UKIRK, you can visit our website at www.ukerc.ac.uk.